Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. In a 6-3 decision, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the 1964 Civil Rights Act that prohibits discrimination in the workplace protects LGBT people from being disciplined, fired, or turned down from a job based on what the left calls sexual orientation. The landmark ruling is expected to have far-reaching ramifications. Here to discuss the impact of the decision is Peter LaBarbera, the president of Illinois-based AmericansForTruth.com and the Center for Morality. Peter, LGBT groups and their friends in government and media say with this ruling, gay and trans people can no longer be fired or not hired just because of what they call sexual orientation. How should Christians counter that narrative? Well, Monty, this is a free country uh, founded on freedom of religion. And in this country, Americans have a right to live according to the dictates of their faith. And we know as, as Christians, we don't hate anybody. We love people, but we also love them enough to tell them the truth. And the fact is, is that many people have come out of homosexuality. And so we don't believe it's, quote, discrimination, unquote, to live by our faith. And unfortunately, this radical ruling by the Supreme Court will force people to deny their faith in order to obey this decision that is imposed by the court. Will this decision have a greater effect on America than the high court's ruling in favor of same-sex marriage? I think the the combination of the so-called same-sex marriage ruling, Obergefell, five years ago, and this ruling will have a radical impact on the culture. As Justice Alito said in his dissent, a very excellent dissent in the Bostic decision, Uh, There are over 100 federal laws that cite sex determination, discrimination on the basis of sex, which is what this decision radically redefined. And so in all of those areas, we are going to see lawsuits brought forcing people to accept the radical homosexual and transgender agenda. And the latter is even more radical than the former because the transgender agenda means you basically have to treat a man who thinks he's a woman like a woman, regardless of what you believe in your faith. When you say lawsuits will be brought, you mean countless lawsuits. Countless lawsuits. This is really a gay and trans lawyer's dream, this decision in the Supreme Court. And it's very sad that two conservative judges, Gorsuch and Roberts, took part in this very liberal decision. Illinois is among the states that already protects LGBT workers from discrimination. In the wake of the ruling, will we see much change here in the land of Lincoln? I think activists will be emboldened because of this uh, action now at the federal level by the Supreme Court. We already see in Illinois that people's freedom of religion, as it were, if, if you are an employer, you are now restricted in the state of Illinois, they want, the activists on the other side want to impose this across the country. So I think it's going to embolden activists and we have to be ready for more lawsuits because they already have the state law and the city laws, for example, in Chicago. Now we're going to see federal-based activism through the Supreme Court decision. Before we discuss the impact of the pro-LGBT ruling on churches and the faith community, what about private sector businesses? 
Will this ruling make it more difficult for an employer to fire a gay or transgender employee who's frequently late for work, takes too many sick days, or just doesn't do a good job? Oh, absolutely. We're going to see spurious lawsuits filed, not based on the, the performance of the employee, but they will cite, uh, oh, you, you're, you're doing this because I'm a trans woman or homosexual. And, you know, also there's just the, the plain fact of the matter that employers should have the right to judge character. We believe people should be judged by character. And if you believe that it's absolutely wrong for a biological man to pretend that he's a woman, and basically this court decision could take your right to treat employees on that basis. And if a business has to do some budget cutting, will they, in the wake of this ruling, be reluctant to lay off gay or trans workers out of fear they'll be sued. Well, people are already afraid of the LGBTQ lobby, and I think there will be a lot of fear and intimidation uh, brought to bear by this case because, let's face it, they, they want to say that we're treating the issue of homosexuality and gender confusion like genuine civil rights. The, the law was built on civil rights versus that's African-Americans is what this was. The 1964 law was about. Now they're they're totally redefining it to apply to gender confusion and homosexual sin. Could this ruling and this may sound crazy eventually lead to gay and trans hiring quotas? Well, already we're seeing uh, a, a sort of quota effect pushed by homosexual activists. We're seeing homosexual activists like the Human Rights Campaign pushing for giving special treatment to gay-owned businesses. So I think absolutely uh, we're going to see in liberal jurisdictions a sort of a quota mentality arise from this. Let's talk about churches. What does this ruling mean for churches, Christian schools, faith organization? Does this mean, for example, that if a church employs an executive pastor who handles mostly finances and the operations of the church building, that sort of thing, would the church have to consider a gay or trans person for that job. Well, let's just take the, the thinking of the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, on these matters. The ACLU has said that, and I think also in Illinois, back when we were fighting the gay rights law here, that you have protection based on homosexuality if it does not something to do with the mission of the church or the preaching. So let's say it was an executive pastor, and they say, well, he's not preaching, which in that case, the First Amendment would hopefully protect that pastor. But let's say it's a, an executive pastor or a church secretary or a janitor at a school, at a Christian school. The left will argue that that person has nothing to do with conveying the teachings of the church or the school. Therefore, that individual, that part of the of the ministry should be under this radical gay and transgender ruling. So Peter, how should Christians who own businesses or churches, Christian schools, faith organizations respond to the ruling? What protective measures should they be taking now? Well, I think first of all, if you run a, a Christian ministry in Illinois or now across the nation, make sure you tighten up your uh, ministry, your charter, to make sure that you uh, make clear to anybody who's, for example, going to be an employee or prospective employee at your ministry that you must adhere to a biblical charter because that could be used against you if you don't have something that's tight uh, or that's very clear that, that you believe in biblical morality. As far as challenges to your business, I think 
what needs to be done is Christians need to, to stand up for their beliefs. We can't just roll over now to this new tyranny that's coming uh, by the Supreme Court. We need to challenge. We need to say, no, we should not have to, for example, use uh, the politically correct pronouns that are dictated by the trans movement, you know, a biological man as if he were a woman. And so I would encourage Christians now more than ever to stick with the truth, to to get stronger in the truth and not just roll over to this coming agenda, which is very, very strong and demanding acquiescence in all areas of life. So if pastors have been preaching the gospel and uh, discipleship, they should also be talking about this issue. Pastors need to be very clear on biblical morality and, of course, that uh, the truth that Jesus Christ has changed many people, has helped many people out of homosexuality, out of uh, a transgender lifestyle. And yes, Christian pastors need to uh, become familiar with the threats to tyranny that are going to come from this Supreme Court ruling, and they need to even preach on this. Talk about the religious freedom that America was founded upon and how we need to continue that today. And if your pastor's refusing to do that, what should you do? Is it time to lead the church, or do you have to have a conversation with the pastor, maybe the church elders? I think if your pastor refuses to uh, defend religious liberty, or even preach on this issue, or worse, begins to adopt this phony, pro-homosexual, pro-transgender theology that's coming out of liberal evangelical circles, I think you need to first have a conversation with your pastor or the powers that be at the church, the elders. If you are not satisfied, then it is maybe time to leave because unless you want to, you want to duke it out for the truth in your church. But now is the time, I think, that we will see a separating of the wheat from the chaff on these critical issues of sexual morality and gender confusion. Literally, our young people are threatened by this agenda. We are seeing 12-year-old boys being encouraged in the idea that they are actually girls and they are going to become women. Their adults are allowing these children to have their bodies harmed and to do radical hormone therapy. And if pastors of all people are not speaking out against this immorality and this awful agenda and the threats to freedom, then nobody will. Peter, we're seeing this radical pro-LGBT agenda in our culture, in the media, but it's also seeping into our evangelical churches. What are some telltale signs that people in the pews need to be looking out for? I think you need to be looking out for anything that smacks of gay-positive Christianity. As Everett Piper says, you shouldn't have a, a hyphen before your, your Christian identity. We shouldn't be talking about gay Christians any more than we would talk about porn-using Christians. Homosexuality is a sin, and many people, like my friend Stephen Black and my friend Charlene Cothran, both in the homosexual lifestyle, have come out of it. So if, if you see your church starting to deny the possibility of change or recognizing aspects of the homosexual agenda or the transgender agenda, then I think it's time to, to really start educating yourself and to confront your pastor. Also, I think if your pastor is just avoiding these issues in a time when the left is talking about them more than ever, that's also a warning sign. But the pastor would come back and say, well, we want to show love to these people, and if they come to our church, etc., 
we want to show them love and maybe we can reach them with the gospel. Right. We certainly want to reach out in love to anybody trapped in these lifestyles. And of, of course, I think there are limits. I don't think you have two homosexuals holding hands in your church because that conveys approval of homosexuality. On the other hand, we don't hate anybody and we don't want to only convey rejection in the sense that we reject people. The gospel is powerful. Jesus has changed so many lives, including many gay, lesbian, and transgender lives. And we want to reach out in the love of Christ to people, whatever their their sexual identity is. And Christians have to be educate themselves because there's a lot coming down the pike. We've really opened up a Pandora's box here, and we're going to see multiple identities coming forth, all of them unbiblical, and you have to reach out in the love of Christ to these people. A lot of the gray-haired people in these congregations sitting there in the pews, they're right on with you, but their kids and grandkids aren't, <laughs> and that's who we have to reach. Right. I'm, I'm afraid that many millennials and Gen Xers have really been, in a, in a way, brainwashed on this issue because they've, they've been so inundated by one side of the equation. They're seeing a lot on this issue that's one side. They're very comfortable with the idea of people coming out supposedly as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. They've been indoctrinated in so many of these beliefs that they they really are ill-prepared because they haven't heard the other side. And so, again, the answer to that is let's start teaching them. Don't flood them with information. Don't intimidate them with too much, but dribble it along. Give them a piece of information. Tell them about ex-gay ministries like Stephen Black's uh, First Stone Ministry in Oklahoma. Share the truth with them. Slowly educate them because they have not received anything close to a balanced uh, worldview on this issue. And maybe the pastor or the youth director needs to say, look, you may not like this, but this is what the Bible says about sexuality. Right. Well, uh, unfortunately, my experience is that many youth pastors themselves need to be educated. They've, uh, the seminaries are becoming very liberal on this. A lot of people want to avoid the issue, and you can't really avoid it anymore in America. I, I saw a Sesame Street graphic in which they're celebrating LGBTQ pride. I saw a Disney Plus short film, Eight Minutes, which basically has two guys kissing, and it's about uh, two homosexual men coming out to one of the man's parents. This is on Disney Plus. So in this atmosphere, how can a pastor avoid the issue? And so again, educate. It. First of all, the youth pastor, you yourself get educated, and then you need to educate the young people that God has given you charge over. And there's a role for parents here and grandparents. Absolutely. Uh, God holds us responsible for conveying biblical truth, educating our children and those we come in contact with. And if you're reluctant on this, I would encourage you to see it also as a gospel issue. It's not just about uh, defending morality, but sometimes there are, there are people in, the, in this movement, their conscience needs to be touched by the truth. Inside, they know they're living a lie. And by sharing the truth with them in love, you can help them to, to sort of overcome that the burying of their own conscience and slowly come out of this aberrant lifestyle. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We will continue our conversation with Peter LaBarbera, the president of Illinois-based AmericansForTruth.com and the Center for Morality. 
Religious freedom is now a priority. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Lost among protests and riots in recent days was the issuing by President Trump of an executive order on religious freedom. Here's what it says. Religious freedom is a moral national security imperative. Our founders understood religious freedom not as a creation of the state, but as a gift of God to every person and a fundamental right for the flourishing of society. The order also makes religious freedom a, quote, foreign policy priority. This is a great move and a tall order. Religious freedom has never been under greater attack. From Islamist violence in Africa and the Middle East to the persecution of Christians and Uyghur Muslims in China to Hindu nationalism in India to reduce conscience rights in America and Europe. I'm grateful the president has declared religious freedom a foreign policy priority. May God now bless everyone who must work to make it so. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, joined by Peter LaBarber, the president of AmericansForTruth.com and the Center for Morality, talking about this big Supreme Court decision on LGBT rights in the workplace. But what about LGBT rights in the wake of this ruling in restrooms, locker rooms, nursing homes, women's shelters, women's prisons, and sports, girls' sports? Okay, well, let's first of all make sure people understand what gender identity discrimination is all about. We're talking about treating as a civil right the idea that a man or a boy identifies uh, as a woman or a girl. And whether or not he is going through radical gender hormone therapy or not. And so this would allow, and and effectively the Supreme Court has now paved the way because lawsuits are going to be pushing this big time and the Equality Act as well that's coming down the pike in, in Congress. They're going to be advancing the idea that a man has a right to enter a female only locker room space because he identifies as a woman. That is not healthy for women. It violates the privacy rights of women. And beyond that, even in sports, we're seeing now already high school boys who identify as girls being able to compete in girl-only competitions and winning these competitions. They're using their biological advantage to win in the name of transgender rights. That's what we're talking about here, and that's why it is such an outrage that two conservative justices in the Supreme Court added gay rights and transgender rights to basic black civil rights, which was what the 1964 Civil Rights Act was all really about. Well, parents have tried to push back against school boards that are allowing boys in the girls' locker rooms, et cetera, and the results are not good. Beyond showing up for a school board meeting and talking with the faculty and the staff, the administrators, what can Christians do? Well, I think Christians have to keep standing up in schools, and they have to stand up everywhere they can. I think we have to talk to our political representatives and tell them how how they have to act on this. Uh, I agree with Tony Perkins. Now is not the time to to slide back. I hope that President Trump stands tall on this. I don't really think he reacted as strongly as he could have to the radical Supreme Court decision. But Senator uh, Josh Hawley did stand up very strongly, and we need to encourage our representatives to speak the truth on this issue. I think the left and the LGBTQ movement advances a lot on uh, through intimidation. They know that a lot of people have given up or are, are sort of reluctant, or they don't want to be called a homophobe or a bigot, and so they pull out. And And we've got to stand strong now more than ever. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We need to speak the truth because if we don't, nobody will. 
Pete, in writing the majority opinion in the Supreme Court's pro-LGBT workplace ruling, Justice Neil Gorsuch acknowledged that religious liberty concerns could alter the way Title VII is applied in future cases. He specifically referred to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as a super statute that might supersede Title VII's commands in appropriate cases. Does that give you a measure of hope for the protection of religious liberty in LGBT-related issues? Well, I I think uh, Gorsuch is trying to cover for his very, very bad and convoluted ruling, but I would hope that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act really is a supra-law and and has dominance over anything that comes its way, but how can we trust that in the current atmosphere where the Supreme Court is actually writing legislation, as they did in this case? And so, again, we need to speak with our representatives. We need to ask them to shore up uh, the areas that are under threat. We need laws that protect women and girls in sporting events and in locker rooms. We need uh, additional protections on religious freedom. This It could easily come to the point where a Christian-owned business is forced to recognize so-called homosexual marriages and even a, a religious ministry. If, For example, as we discussed, it might be a, a position that is not a, a minister. Maybe it's a janitor. There are far-reaching implications, and many of them have an arrow pointed directly at our religious liberties in this country. In the wake of this ruling, Nancy Pelosi, our good friend Nancy, and the Human Rights Campaign are calling for Senate passage of the House-passed legislation called the Equality Act. We've talked about this before, which would not only cover LGBT people in employment, but also housing, education, and other areas. The Equality Act not only guts the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, but a lot of conservative leaders say it guts religious freedom. What do you think? Absolutely. And it is shocking to me that the homosexual activists, well, that shouldn't shock me, but they are so audacious that they specifically wrote it in that, as you said, Monty, that their so-called Equality Act, which I'm calling the Criminalized Christianity Act, this the so-called Equality Act would supersede RIFRA, which is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is, as you said, Gorsuch just said in this very bad ruling that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act would take precedence. But obviously, the the homosexual lobby is taking direct aim at people's freedom to oppose homosexuality. This is what this movement is now about. They've gotten so much power that they now want to crush religious freedom in the name of gay and transgender rights. Well, Democrats accuse conservatives of using the term religious liberty in order to hide their desire to discriminate. And they say the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is a license to discriminate. They're pushing for passage of the Equality Act. So what are some key talking points for Christians and conservatives that they should be making now to help stop the Equality Act from becoming law? Well, I think it's it's crucial that we understand our First Amendment liberties, the re- religious freedom. Christians need to understand that this is America. We were founded on religious freedom. How dare the homosexual lobby try to create a sin-based movement for civil rights and say that that, these newfangled rights based on even transgender identity, the idea that a, a man is actually a woman, that's absurd, that they say that those newfangled so-called rights would supersede our religious freedom. We need to work with our representatives and insist that they defend religious freedom, strengthen it, do everything we can, and we need to support judges and candidates that do support religious freedom. And if Democrats take control of the U.S. Senate, 
and Joe Biden becomes president, here comes the Equality Act. And that would be a very dangerous moment for America because we're not talking anymore about what was talked about 40 years ago, which was tolerance. We're way beyond tolerance. Now we're even beyond celebration. Now we're at the stage of state-enforced tyranny. Now there is truly almost not a single Democrat, at least on Capitol Hill, that would speak out against the Equality Act and this radical agenda. Well, I'm not convinced that Republicans in the Senate won't cave on the Equality Act. Well, we already saw Republicans cave on this Supreme Court ruling, this radical Bostic ruling that came down. Senator Thune said we can live with it. He's a Republican from South Dakota. You wouldn't think uh, he'd stand up. I think we need more men and women like Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. He stood up forthrightly and said this is legislating from the bench. And he said this basically eviscerates the conservative judicial project, which was, you know, conservatives and Christians have been supporting so-called conservative judges. We thought it was Gorsuch and Roberts. And then lo and behold, they turn around and sell us out and embrace the radical progressive agenda in favor of so-called LGBTQ rights. Well, one of the reasons conservatives and evangelicals voted for President Trump was because of the makeup of the Supreme Court. Yet Neil Gorsuch, one of his nominees, writes this pro-LGBT opinion. Is this going to hurt the president in November? I think this will hurt the president. I don't know how he's going to finesse it. Trump has been running on conservative justices since he came down that escalator. And I don't think in this instance you can really blame Trump because he totally turned it over to groups like the Judicial Crisis Network and uh, conservatives. And, And I don't think you can even blame them because the bottom line is what we saw here are two so-called conservative justices, Gorsuch and Roberts, who said they were textualists, originalists, that would follow the common sense application, the plain meaning of the law. We saw them basically jettison that and they sold out and now they're being praised by the left. And so you can't blame Trump. You can't really blame even the conservatives. We have men who basically hid their true feelings and they sold out on the truth. And it's a very sad thing. And unfortunately, this is going to hurt all our efforts going forward. Pete, if the president is reelected, he could nominate other candidates for the Supreme Court. In light of this pro-LGBT decision, what questions would you like during those Senate confirmation hearings? Oh, I want a very strong line of questioning around religious liberty. Unfortunately, in past hearings, Republicans haven't really asked a lot of good questions on these issues, especially the homosexual issue. Meanwhile, the left has pushed their agenda wholeheartedly. And so I think we need to see, are you going to allow Christians to be forced to uh, deny their beliefs in the name of this Supreme Court decision and gay rights and trans rights. I want them to be asked questions about female sports competitions, female locker rooms. Do you believe that females should be forced to inhabit locker rooms with biological boys in the same restroom in the name of equality? Uh, I don't think that sort of questioning would help the Democrats at all. Well, we kind of know where President Trump would go with uh, the nomination of Supreme Court justices, and who knows how they'll decide, as we found out from uh, Neil Gorsuch, but we know which way the Democrats would go. Yeah, not only that, we know the Democrats always uh, nominate a hardcore ideologue on their side, for the most part, and Unfortunately, usually their justices are more committed to their left-wing cause than so-called conservative judges are to the to the right, to the conservative movement. I mean, the sellout by Gorsuch and Roberts here, especially Gorsuch, because we already knew Roberts had sold out on Obamacare. But to do what he did, Gorsuch abandoning the plain, uh, clear meaning of the 1964 Civil Rights Act 
is just unconscionable, and this was really an atrocious decision, an abomination, judicially speaking. How would you rate President Trump and his administration on LGBT issues, aside from this ruling from the Supreme Court and his nominee to the Supreme Court, uh, on religious freedom issues? Kind of a mixed bag. Well, I think... uh, President Trump has done some good things on religious freedom. He's tried to roll back also the transsexual agenda that was being pushed in schools uh, through Obama and Obama's attorney general. Trump has also committed some huge errors. He, Before he even uh, uh, took the presidency, he said that the gay marriage issue was effectively over. That was a huge mistake. His ambassador to Germany, Rick Grinnell, is promoting homosexuality and the LGBTQ agenda all over the world. That's not a good thing. So I think, I don't know, maybe I'd give Trump a, a C plus. C, uh, maybe a B minus. I don't know. Uh, but the, the fact is he's, he's a mixed bag. He never really cared much about this issue. But on, compared to life, he's been so outstanding on the pro-life issue. It's disappointing to see him so uh, sort of ambivalent or not really taking the, the homosexual issue as seriously. Well, you gave the president a C plus on LGBT and religious liberty issues. But we know that Joe Biden would be radical left on those issues. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Biden actually called transgenderism the transgender issue as the civil rights issue of our time. That is ludicrous. Okay, but what about the civil rights of girls, of biological girls? What about the civil right issue of females to not have their locker rooms and their bathrooms invaded by men? This is outrageous. And so, and, and, and Biden has promised to, to sign the Equality Act. I think he said it'd be one of his first things. So Joe Biden is radically sold out to this issue. He even brags that he was in support of homosexual so-called marriage publicly before President Obama was. So I think if you, if you want to know what you're going to get, Joe Biden would be probably as radical, if not more radically pro-homosexual, pro-transgender than Barack Obama himself. Well, how worried are you about the Republican Party platform and what it will say or not say about religious freedom and LGBT issues? Well, I was very distressed to hear that Jared Kushner, who is President Trump's son-in-law and an advisor to the president, reportedly saying that uh, he was working to get rid of the provision which uh, defended parents' right to take their child to their own counseling or therapy regarding the, the homosexual activist called conversion therapy. But basically, it's the right of parent to treat their children with the way they want to help them regarding counseling and therapy and and their struggles. And so we don't want to see the Republicans backing off of LGBTQ issues, but already after this uh, radical Bostic decision by the Supreme Court, we've seen Republicans backing away and saying, okay, you know, we don't really, we're not going to really fight this. This November election, wow, a lot at stake. Conservatives and Christians have to get out and vote, and they have to tell their family and friends about the issues that are before us. Let's just cut to the chase. On the one side, we have Donald Trump, who has been the most pro-life president, I think, in history, even attending the March for Life, which was wonderful. And he has really tried to defend religious freedom. On the other side, you have Joe Biden, who is extremely radical on LGBTQ issues, extremely committed to abortion, despite being a professed Catholic, taxpayer-funded abortion, the whole panoply of far-left agenda items. I mean, these issues are all in play in this election. And so what I think you need to do is, number one, figure out who you're going to support. Number two, get the information you need to your array of friends, people at work, your network. So now is the time. Get yourself informed and tell others. Peter LaBarbera, 
Tell us about AmericansForTruth.com and the Center for Morality. Yeah, Americans for Truth is an a organization that tries to get out the information that the liberal media is hiding on this issue or, or just covering up. It's Americans for Truth. That's F-O-R dot com. We tell the politically incorrect truth about this issue. And Center for Morality is a new project which is going to be offering in-depth reports on the issue, exposing the lies through a more in-depth uh, manner. Folks would like to support your work. Uh, go to americansfortruth.org or .com, and you can click and support uh, support us in that way. All right. Thank you so much, Peter LaBarbera, americansfortruth.com, and the Center for Morality. Also, with early voting nearing, make sure you're registered to vote and encourage your family and friends who share your biblical values to also get registered. Click the Register to Vote button on the IllinoisFamily.org homepage. Please invest in the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. Tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay active, stay healthy, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.